you on a vista Star so close you can reach out and kiss one Bright waves roll easy and still Sparkling and deep, fluid and sweet Dream what you like but you dare not sleep The lights on the riverbanks they just must reach How much lessons that they teach For the bounty that they seek Angels over each niche As the heavens just increase And the mountains surrender Final call Welcome to the Four Color Nerds Comics Podcast, episode number 19. I'm Christina, and I'm joined by the other nerds, Matt. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Ryan. Hello. And Carissa. Hello. Together we take on the week's comics. Each week we read a variety of comics and gather here to discuss them. This is a review show, so there will be spoilers. If you don't want to hear spoilers, take a break now and go read your week's books, then come on back. Each week one of us picks our favorite book of the week, and that's our pick of the week. This week, I am that nerd. This week, the pick of the week goes to Limbo Number 4 by Image Comics, written by Dan Waters and Casper Wingengard. Is that where we're going with? Yeah. I, I think so. Weingard. Oh, it could be Weingard. I uh, like Wingengard. I like, I Wingen like, I like sounds cool. Wingengard. There's a lot of J's and double R, A's. A's and and yeah. R's and A's and W's and I's. This issue, number four, we are progressing the story a little bit. We have... Found Clay. He is going to battle in the Thunderdome against an alligator. We've got <laughs> we we got the thumb again, yet again. Um, we uh, we have his friend trying to. She's trying to rescue him. She knows that he's been captured. She is trying to make the awesomest mixtape ever to rescue him and have Papa Legbutt. She actually does in the end succeed, and he is able to rescue him. Uh, not you know before he does actually escape. In a way, he, instead of killing the alligator, takes out part of the, the viewing area, and so the guests of the Thumb are actually eaten, which was kind of awesome. <laughs> he and, and Bridget, she's, he gets put in a room, he's got all these cameras around him, and it's videotaping him, and basically she's telling him that, you know, I'm doing this, you're actually going to escape, he, uh, Papa Legba is going to come get you, and he basically gets sucked into a TV, and then Papa Legba dumps him off into just some random-ass swamp. No, that's not Ligba. It is. No, that's the Texas Salmon. Oh, God, that's not the same person? No, that's not Ligba. What the hell? Who is that person there's this shaman yeah. who I'm thinking is the opener of but ways. Is a different who, Loa? It's the one that Thumb the one thought killed? he killed. No, it wasn't. No, that guy's in cahoots with Bridget. Well, now I'm confused. So this guy just happened this? to show up. Okay, to rescue him. Yeah, everybody has okay. thought he was dead and was killed by our hero. Clay even says, he's like, didn't I, didn't I kill you? He's like, yes, and I want to keep it that way. <laughs> anyway, he dumps him off into a swamp, and he... Clay stumbles upon some demon demon worshippers, eat flesh eaters, all that kind of good stuff. Notices that he oh, is Dagon. Yeah, Dagon worshippers. Yes, yes. Dagon worshippers. <laughs> Devil worshippers, demon worshippers. They actually look like demons. With their like sharpened teeth and Yeah. The fish that's people, what like, that's what like. Dagon is. The Lovecraft reference. Yes, but Lovecraft took it from like Assyrian mythology. There yes. is a Dagon in Assyrian mythology. It's not technically the same Dagon. But Fish People Dagon is a Lovecraft reference. It's both. <laughs> we can both be right. You can both be right. That's one of the key things to Lovecraft is that he always liked to mix in the the real and the not real, so that you were always going, wait, wait, wait a minute, is wait, this is, exactly. this, is this shit real? So. He sees the uh, flesh eaters and sees that he is also tied up at the same time. So he's kind of confused and he's like, he's like, all right, well, I got to take care of this. Goes in and gets a harpoon and shoots one of them. And he's like, yeah, 
And he's like, they're running. And then we see what's coming after him next. Yeah, you better run. And then yeah, you see behind yeah. <laughs> the big monster rising out of the sea. And again, hello, tentacles out of the sea. Are you still trying to tell oh, me yeah. that's not Lovecraftian? Hello. It's so I, I think our confusion about the, the plot and some of the characters points out uh, kind of a weakness I think that the book has, which is each individual issue is pretty strong, but I'm having a hard time keeping the overall plot and characters. I'm having a hard time remembering straight. who's who, like the names of people. Yeah. I only have like Clay and Bridget. I can't, I don't even know the girls' names, the friends, the names, and the thumb. I've got the thumb because we know the thumb. But yeah, the, the names are difficult and the plot is kind of all over the place. I know they're eventually getting somewhere, but it's still well, stumbling. Originally. Originally, this was supposed to be a four-issue miniseries. Now it's a six-issue miniseries. So Only six? They, expand, they expanded it out. Aww. Well, they, Fuck. They, might ex, they might expand it out more. You never know. I wanted That's to keep going. Like, I did Every too. image comic is an, like an indefinite amount of time. <laughs> they all, you know, who knows how long they're going to last. I can see they can expand on some of the and. Uh, like the female, the other female character. I like her. I could care less about Bridget. I know I she's like somebody, the... but well, she's, she's obviously she's doing some voodoo. Yes, definitely David doing some voodoo. Know that Clay necessarily is being written, but I think everybody else in the book is being written. I think Clay is a Loa himself. I had that thought, but a Loa wrote him and then just erased what was there. Maybe because he can't remember anything. One thing I liked about this this book was the idea of like plans not working that's basically the setup for each scene in this book is plan doesn't work then they have to come up with a a new or like third way of doing the things like when he's fighting the alligator he's like oh one of us has to die and he's like no i'm gonna do something different and then when she's like making that mixtape it's not working and then she does something different it's like all about plans not working and then coming up with a new solution so with the alec he was like no i'm not gonna do what you want me to do and so he he decided not to like shove the thing down his throat i just kind of wish I, that we had number issue three as a pick of the week because that one was such a stronger i thought was a stronger issue than this one that was a, yeah i agree i like that yeah. one better that was the snake one yep and man, I really like I, this one no i like this one too but i still think three was stronger well what did we end up giving the book i will give it three and a half mixed dates i'll give it four loas i will give it three uh shamans I'll give it three and a quarter Daggins. Nice. All right. So. <laughs> Moving on. So I had another dark and mysterious book here. I had. Speaking uh, of Batman. lost memories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had Batman number 49 from DC Comics written by Scott Snyder. Art by Yannin uh, Paquit. I'm not sure how you say Yannick his last name. Paquit? Paquit, maybe? Let's go Paquit. Sure. Let's go with that. Paquit. Um, yeah. It's probably Paquit. So, <laughs> this is this issue just wrecked me. Like I, this to me, it's like punched me in the guts. This, uh, so the the basic plot line. I don't know if you guys have been kept up on your Batman or not, but no. Batman, Batman and the Joker fought each other. They killed each other. Well, uh, the Joker basically like gutted Batman and then collapsed a cave in on them, and they both died. But the Joker had this like. Uh, Lazarus pit like serum coursing through his blood and his blood was all over them so they both uh, lived and they came out of there without having any memory of who they really were so you've had Batman and the Joker both going about their lives as like normal people but still like on these like train tracks towards their their destiny like what they were inevitably meant to be and you find out like before all this happened that Bruce Wayne 
you know, had thought that there always needed to be a Batman, and no matter how much he trained someone, if they didn't have that experience of having their parents die, that trauma is what makes the Batman. Not tragedy. Specifically seeing your parents die. Yes, well, the whole thing about not using a gun, and, you know, the whole, it all comes down to that memory. Yeah, it, it is horrible. So he made this machine to be able to implant that memory in people's heads, but he didn't use it because it wasn't, he like thought it would be too too cruel to do to other people. So it's been down in the bat cave. So Alfred has been, that that to me, like the, the whole tragedy of this was with Alfred. Having, you know, seen who we, we come to realize he thinks of like as his son, you know, had finally found peace. He'd finally, the Batman had done what he had, inevitably has to do you know dies fighting the joker and crime and now bruce wayne gets to live but mr bloom who's another villain is like rampaging through the city jim gordon has been batman's replacement without the memory thing and i have not liked jim gordon as batman so i've been kind of not purposely not choosing this book for us because i was waiting for this issue to come around so mr bloom basically rips gordon like in half on like live tv I don't know if Gordon's dead or not. We're just like really injured. But Bruce sees all this and knows that he has to, you know, there has to be a Batman for Gotham. So he convinces Alfred to take him down into that chamber and start up that machine. And like Alfred is like begging him and like crying, you know, not to do this, that, you know, he could, you know, he could live his life as Bruce Wayne, that he doesn't need to do this. And what he's asking him to do is horrible. He's asking him to, like, recreate the crime that traumatized him. He's asking him to kill, you know, Thomas and Martha Wayne again and kill, like, the young Bruce Wayne to end that life and start Batman's life. That, to me, it was just it was just tragic, the whole the whole thing. So you have you also have all these, like, weird alternate visions of the future. And I don't know if they're hallucinations of what could be, um, but there's all these, like, alternate timelines that are going on also. I was wondering if that was showing that that's the reason why the machine didn't work on other people, that it basically it's not just getting the Batman's memories, it's getting every alternate version, alternate life version of Batman at once, so it's like too much to handle. Well, it's like they're saying that, that those memories can't implant on a, a human mind, that it needs to be like a blank slate, so that's when Bruce uh, tells Alfred that he needs to run the machine until Bruce dies, so, so that literally Bruce Wayne has to die for Batman. Those alternates are basically it trying to overlap itself onto normal brain. Is that what you're saying? Like the there, the other the other Batman that we see are the Bat memories overlaying upon stuff that already has preconceived notions of of different would, things. There's another issue. I don't know four, five, six issues back where you first learn about the machine, and in that, you, each of these scenes that you're seeing, you see like the beginnings of those Batman's lives. See, I was thinking so, like machine, like they just don't fully understand the machine, and the machine is really giving all memories of every version of Batman from an alternate reality or universe, alternate universe into them at once. And therefore that's why it's too much for a normal brain to take, but it's different if it's a actually Bruce Wayne, that was how I was looking at it. But well, I think it's like, you see like this cycle that's going on. Cause like at the end of each of those stories, that Batman dies in each of those stories, he dies fighting like crime. And then like the cycle starts over again. So I think that that is part of it, but Finally, they, they activate the machine and basically Bruce, you know, has all his memories again. He has his, you know, I'm, I'm Batman. I'm Batman. Yeah. You can hear the Christian Bale growl in that panel where he's like, I am Batman. 
So th this one to me was just very, to me, really, really emotional. I really felt for Alfred and for the the tragedy of having seen Bruce finally be freed and then have to send him basically straight back to hell. That, that That's a horrible weight to have to do to your the, the kid that you've raised from a, from a child, to be the one that has to inflict that on him again. It was sad. There, there were a couple tears when I was reading this. Then I went to bed, and I woke up sad again. So th this book really had a strong impact on me. Man, you really need to stop reading comics before bed. <laughs> it's the don't only time read, I have free. Don't read Clean Room before you go to bed. We have lots of instructions. Bed, no swamping at dinner, you know. <laughs> yeah, definitely yes. no swamping at dinner. That was horrible. <laughs> I think That's I need to read the, the, having the, a salad. Light and, the light and happy books <laughs> at night and the dark ones during the day. Although that would just ruin my whole day, though. So Read, like, Archie. Before you go to bed. Yeah. Just read the Marvel books at night. So this one, I I loved. I give this one five bat signals. I love this book. So I've always had, like, a soft spot for Alfred. There's been times the movie, like, I watch all the movies and nothing with Michael Caine, like, playing him. It's like, I always feel so sad for him. And, like, other ones, like, and then also there's comics. So this did really hit that note because I've always had felt bad for Alfred. I think he is the one that suffers a lot the most. I really liked it. There was some confusing parts in it. But I already told you guys my take on how I saw that machine. So I gave it like a, I'll give it a four. Sad Alfreds. So I had, I have not caught up on Batman and I have no idea how long. It's been a long time since I've read like an actual Batman series, maybe more just standalones. Um, I read the previous one, which helped. I, I don't like the Loom character. Don't like He's it. weird. He's weird. I don't like it. I oh. really liked, not to review two issues at once, but in the last one with the Joker. Yeah. And that was so off-putting. It was like chewing on tinfoil. Like it was yeah. just off-putting and weird yeah. and I, menacing. I yeah. just, I kind of, why can't we just spray him with like some weed killer? Like, has no one come up with that yet? I don't know. I'm, feel, <laughs> I'm feeling that. Besides, I'm sure it's in Batman's utility belt. He just oh, needs to. <laughs> besides, besides all that, I, did, I still did, thought it was really good. I actually really liked it. Um, I will. I probably will continue reading a couple more. I know that you said Scott Snyder is no. Is this is the end for him? Is that what you said? With the whole DC rebirth, mm -hmm. is you've got a lot of DC characters that were not their their true selves, and now they're basically coming back to that. Like Superman has got his powers back now. Now Bruce Wayne is Batman again. So I'm thinking this is all going to tie into their whole rebirth idea. Gotcha. I will say that the last 48 issues of Batman, Scott Snyder's run on Batman, mm -hmm. is, in my opinion, among the top two or three runs of Batman ever. It's absolutely worth going back and rereading every issue of it. He's a, he's a Fan, good guy. He's fantastic. He's a, he's a good guy. I, I will give this four um, bat signals, even though we didn't have any. So, I liked it. <laughs> oh, I was, I, was, I was bracing myself for it. <laughs> it's like the life commercial of comic books. <laughs> I find it funny that Scott Snyder decides to end up writing a Grant Morrison story to be his exit. Because yeah, that's I, I what did. I was thinking this whole fucking issue. Is I'm like, did Grant write this? Because the whole alternate worlds and alternate Batman and all that sort of stuff. That's very Grant Morrison. There's there's only a few issues that are like this in his run. It's usually when Batman is drugged that are like this. <laughs> okay. I thought it was pretty good. I'm not a fan of weenie Clark Gable mustache, Alfred. Uh, I'm more of a fan of the Earth One uh, uh, former MI6, like mm. the Gotham TV show, Alfred. Right. Yeah, he uh, looks a lot like the cartoon Alfred. Well, yeah, Alfred has been has been broken by the Joker. 
Like if you'll go back oh, okay. and look at some of those panels, you'll notice he's missing a hand. It's because the yeah, Joker like hacked bugged it off me. with a seriously bugged me. Ew. I don't like that. I really want them to actually get back to the roots of these fucking characters and actually reboot the universe. Even if it's just a little, because there's some serious things I want to change about the new 52. I will give this one a four and a half. That machine really would have been created by a supervillain if it were any other fucking story. Yes. Like, seriously, yeah. that's some fuckery. That's a Lex Luthor machine right that, there. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. That's some Professor Ivo made that, and Batman just found it and happened to be like, you know what, I might need this. <laughs> I might need this one day. Like, so over to the Marvel side of the comics that's, universe. That's your side. Yeah, I had Guardians of the Galaxy number five by Marvel Comics, written by Brian Michael Bendis and art by Valerio Skitty. Skitty. I said it right this time. So we leave our uh, gal- our Galaxy Warriors, galaxy Spartax. Warriors. Hey, whatever. I'm trying to think of some words. <laughs> it's like the knockoff when your grandma doesn't understand what you want for Christmas. It's like, I got you the Galaxy Warriors, sweetie. Oh, grandma. <laughs> Thanks, grandma. So... Yeah, so they're fighting and doing their thing. We're recovering, and when that big showed up. So yeah, they fight, la la la, typical kind of stuff. And then they realize that the Cree chick who uh, Kitty phased through the solid Earth is uh, gone and find her again. And but so basically, yeah, there's lots of fighting. (laughs) You're summing it up in like the last five panels of the book. Yeah, they fight Yota. Yeah, so I'm saying yeah. they fight the guy that's after Drax. See warriors. So there, are, there is like some ones where like some good lines were, uh, like rockets. Like I am trying to murder you efficiently. <laughs> I like that he calls dibs too. Basically, yeah. on the shot, because I like that. Groot isn't around to see it, and he gets really bummed. He's like, oh, because you know, Groot got really hurt. Clearly, because he comes back as Baby Groot later. Baby Groot. But my point was, like, the whole thing was what I thought was the pinnacle part of, of the issue was basically the council on Spartax set Quill up for a fall, basically. And he figures it out. <laughs> and so, basically, Kitty has to phase him out, and they escape, and they say, well, you can run across the galaxy, but, you know, we're coming after you. And Peter's like, well, WTF? And they're like, you shouldn't have let Kitty, that girl, in there. They're like, oh, he would have been suspicious otherwise. And basically, they find they, they get... Um, Gamora to healing, and so you see Gamora and Groot in like a med bay healing and getting ready. And then they go, and it shows them back on uh, nowhere. I think it's a flashback, right? Where they're trying to show how the guy was coming after Drax to begin with. And I like how it has the nowhere squad. What other name? It's, it's you know, Cosmo and Mantis. It's the rest no. of the Guardians of the Galaxy who it no is, longer basically. want to be Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, I think they're bringing that up because Mantis, I think, is in the next Guardians movie. They're bringing her in. And they need to explain, what did we do with all these other Guardians? And so, yeah, you get a, you get a little bit of that, and I'm like, yeah, Cosmo, woohoo! Because <laughs> he's awesome. It's the second issue that we've had with, yes. with uh, he was in Rocket and Groot, he was in yeah. this. I'm very, very happy about that. I, I yes. enjoy him. He's in the last movie. Well, yeah, but, but, but you, don't really, you don't see him talk or, you know, mind sync at someone, so you don't get yeah. much interaction except for the growl, and that's only, I think that was more fan service to those who know. <laughs> the grout between Rocket and him. It was just a basic fighting issue, and I, like I said, I thought the most uh, the juicy tidbit was you know, the whole you know, council turning on Quill. That being said, your guys' opinions? Uh, there was a part 
there were there were two well actually three really strong like characterizations that i appreciated i like when rocket had to go make his weapon that his like laser gun is basically like duct taped together <laughs> I, and he I thought that was, was honest awesome. about it yeah i thought that was an awesome little detail <laughs> that he was able to put you know piece that thing together using you know duct tape and it looks like a super soaker when he's done with it really but it's really it's really powerful well the other thing is like because peter was buying time that whole time while like talking to him and then yeah that's the line i was talking about when it's a dance off one that shows the the duct tape uh, weapon when he that's when he says the and i sincerely sincerely wholeheartedly and completely hope i murder you it's like <laughs> boom i i'm really liking the thing in this i think oh, he's a perfect addition so like i love when they're like what time is it it's like it's clobbering time <laughs> and drax is like i it's don't like that clobber. i want marvel to get the fantastic four back not so much now because i want a fantastic four movie but i want thing in the guardians of the galaxy <laughs> well yeah. i like during the flashback with them on Nowhere, they were like, we're showing him around. They're like, don't eat. And Drax is like, I love that vendor. And then I thought that Venom actually did something that was kind of cool. For, yeah, for once. once, yeah. So those were the things I liked about it. I thought the art was good. Seemed like a, almost more of like a filler issue. But there were, there were yeah. moments there. Definitely had a filler issue feel, but so I give it. I'll give it four duct tape rocket guns. I'll give it three and a half cosmos. Damn it! He took, I'll give it three and a half rinds of jerk. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I should have took them baby group. I will give it three obnoxious side characters that we had to explain, but the issue ended up still actually being pretty good. That's a really long thing of things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> long thing of things. I liked it. It was good. Something else I thought was good. It was Red Wolf number three by Marvel Comics, written by Nathan Edmondson, uh, art by Diver fucking hell people. I've been practicing his name. I think it's Dalbor Talajic. Talajic. Yeah, oh, I was close. Talagic. And Jose Marzan Jr. Uh, so I originally had a different book picked, and then I read this one. I was surprised at how good this book is. Um, I have no idea what's going on because I've not yet read the first two issues of Red Wolf. I need to. Because it's it's basically like a fish out of water story. We've got Red Wolf, who seems to be a scout from an Indian tribe back in the middle, you know, the, not the Middle Ages, uh, but the like, cowboy days, who is somehow in modern Marvel Universe. Did you read the Secret Wars miniseries? With oh. the 1892? Like, there, yeah. There's a middle word, a uh, combo of words that you uh, should have noticed, and taken the whole did you read and it would have answered that question (laughs) (laughs) other than like a couple of issues of old man logan and angela uh and the last issue and the first issue i didn't read any of that shit it was solid 1892 was good i i really liked it i love all the maps in it yeah but back to the book we're actually talking about um, so he's basically in modern times, but he's just kind of like, I don't know what any of this shit is. And he's basically in the custody of a small town sheriff. They're going about police procedurally type stuff, but there's some high levels of crime happening in the area for such a small town. Um, so they're a, a busload of convicts is being moved and gets stopped in the middle of a road and then lit on fire by uh, a band of unruly uh, Mad Maxi type characters. Uh, one of them which has, uh, if I remember right, his like side of his face is all burnt up. Yeah. We're not exactly sure why at the beginning. 
But then they go out to investigate. Stuff happens. Red Wolf shows off. And then, you know, throughout the, the course of the story, more action and more Red Wolf being awesome. The art is really, really good in this book. But what I liked about it is just the way that they write Red Wolf's kind of naivete with the world. But then he just immediately can become like a, no, it was a guy who's, uh, he's got a limp. And, you know, this happened and that happened and then this happened. And they're like, how do you know this? And he's like, I opened my eyes. I just, it's just the badassness that always happens whenever you have this, like, cool Native American character always shows up, the, you know, the, the Westerners. But, you know, they're just the, the white man just sucks because the Indian's cool. And I just, I had a lot of fun with it. And I think he's a cool character. I wonder if he's got any powers or if he's just a, like, a really good tracker or something. But I don't know. I, I, I liked it a lot. I will give it three and a half cool face paints. There were, I, I think the best part of the book was the the art that uh, Dalibor Talajic <laughs> for a, a story and writing that I didn't like. I thought it was you don't like really, Westerns at all. I thought it was really boring. All right. And I also I, I wasn't comfortable with their Native American dude. I wasn't. I was like reading it. I'm like, is this racist? Is this racist? Am I okay like, to like this? Yeah, so I, I just, I don't know. I just, I didn't like it that much, and I don't think they did a good job with the Native American. The art was good. I, I gave it a two and a half stinking badges. What did you think was racist about it? it I just was uncomfortable with it. I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. Because you don't it. know it was, if it's racist? It was too much like the, I felt like they presented the stereotype of like the Native American tracker, like the Tonto type character, without giving him all that much depth. Waiting for Tomahawk. I, mean, I just, I don't know. I just, uh, something was off about it. I can't put my finger on it, but I wasn't. All right. We'll have another book that deals with race later on that I think does a much better job. Shut your mouth. We'll get there. <laughs> uh, I'm not a fan of this. It's fine. The artwork is good. I prefer the character in the 1892 setting. I, I really actually like that series a lot, and I kind of must wish that continued on. And I know that, I mean, this is where they pulled the character from, but I just, eh, eh. I'll give it um, two and a half exploding buses. It was kind of boring to me. There's some parts I thought were interesting, you know, and the art was okay. It was, it was thought a little too wordy for me, a little slow. Yeah, I agree with but the slow. It was just, I was like, this, it didn't capture my interest really that much. So I guess I'll give it like two and a half cowboy shirts. So my next book was Insects Number 3 um, from Aftershock Comics, written by Marguerite Bennett, art by Arella Christian. Christian Pina. Close enough, right? Yeah. It's kind of like you, yeah. It's kind of like my a little bit. Um, so we haven't reviewed any of the other books from the series. Uh, they weren't available for a digital release, so not a lot of people had access to them. You actually had to get your butt down to a comic book shop and get one. This is a very, very um, visually, I don't know if arresting is the, the, the word, visually attacking your eyes. I um, love this book. It's really, Claw your eyes out with its yeah. yeah. Pretty much. There's a lot of violence. There is a lot of sex. It really rides the hard M, like, almost towards, like, pornography in some of them. Yes. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, dirty. it's dirty. So it's a story yeah. of basically two women with a very special abilities. I'm not even sure of their abilities. Um intro of the story is uh it's she's basically like a you know a, a what's she like a, not a governoress but she's like a high, high level um 
women in society. And this is kind of like, I want to say, like, kind of like Penny Dreadful timeline, if you're familiar with the Penny Dreadful series. Yeah, it's definitely... It's very Gaslight London. Exactly. Like, she... She would know, like, Emma and, like... Yes. Like, Wuthering Heights, yeah. like, all those. She'd yeah. know some Pride and Prejudice. These it's, are all people, things that she would be familiar with. Exactly. Victorian times? Yes. Yeah. Very Sherlock Holmes, Jack the Ripper era. Exactly. Actually, okay. and, and there is there is a Jack the Ripper-type killer throughout the series. Not specific to this book, but just to give you a little background on the story. So it's these... These two women, initially, it's um, the higher-up lady and her husband want to conceive a baby. Uh, that doesn't really seem to happen. So they're basically their maid um, helps helps the process along in a, a really unusual, unusual way. You should go back and read issue number one. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what happens is, is she, the, this lady, she basically can turn into this really creepy, it's like spider all sorts of crazy insects. All Skitter, skulk, sluha. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is like every nasty, it's basically just look at, it's like, a, it's just claws. It's almost like an it's, alien. It's like an insect nightmare. Uh, yeah. We posted a panel on our Facebook page for COVID. One of the few panels that you could probably show. <laughs> there, yeah. So this one specifically, I mean, it is, goes right back to the gore. There is, there is a woman that is staying in, the the this lady's house she is i mean this is just part of the series she's pregnant uh they have this doctor coming in and try to you know she's having issues she's having complications and so he goes in apparently he's taken he's taken like some opium and he's kind of gone a little crazy and it wasn't it actually wasn't a baby it was like cancer and he accidentally kills her so the crazy insect lady um has has him do a you know, check up on her saying, you know, you know, basically she's saying, am I pregnant? And she freaking just annihilates the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. Like her freaking like, I mean, it's like spider arms, I guess, like come out and just shoot out. And yeah, it's, it's a lot of gore and nastiness and it's freaking awesome. I'm, I'm just gonna leave it at that. Cause I can't even, I can't even go into it. It's if you, if you like nudity and blood, and scary, scary things that will go bump in the night. Um, I highly recommend this. Yeah, this book has <laughs> visuals that I haven't seen before, and that's nope. one of my favorite things in comics. So. Yeah. Nope. I loved this series. I just, I love it so much. <laughs> so there's these two mangas, and they're both by the same person named Kaori Yuki. She usually is put out in America on Viz's Shoujo Beat, and there's two series of hers. One's called Fairy Cube, and the other one is called The Kane Saga. And these remind me, like, of a more mature, dirtier version of those books, because they're both, they're also <laughs> in Gaslight, and they're kind of Victorian, and they're dark, and deal with a cult, and this kind of, and fairies, and weird things. Because, you know, to me, this is very Changeling-esque, Changeling in London, Gaslight, but sexy time in there. And <laughs> it's, it's, it's like the Cinemax after dark oh, version yeah. of, like, a horror movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that, pan, that the, I'm not sure if it's issue two. It's issue two. That has the hedge scene. Oh, I, I'm like, oh, oh yeah. hot. <laughs> I'm like, check uh, them the out. The beginning. The beginning yeah. of that that issue, yeah. Yes. That's I was like, I was like but, Ooh, uh, but awesome. I mean, I, I just I love this series. I'm like so glad that it's on digital now and more people can get to it. Yeah. Because it's just right up my alley. It's like dark and 
like you're saying, just visually, it's, just, oh my god. It's a, it's amazing. The colors are beautiful. Like, the greens that they use really, really stand out. Like, the green eyes, it's kind of, it's amazing. It's beautiful. The color, the coloring is awesome. I, I don't know how I could recommend this more. I mean, it is, it's, like, it's, it's weird. <laughs> if it was my, I, I almost wish I read, um, two sooner, because, like, when it was our pick, I would love to cover. Like, it would have been my pick of the week. I, I just really, really like it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, two is probably my favorite. This, the the ending of this, I liked a lot. Yeah, the ending with the teeth, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I will give it um, four and a quarter sexy times. Yeah. You've been very, you've been very quiet, Matt. I couldn't stand the art, and I couldn't get past the art to read the story. It well, the art hurt my head. We'll and I already had a headache, though. <laughs> I just I did not like the art at all. Are and you making the excuse that you couldn't read the Sexy Time book because you had a headache? <laughs> no, I seriously have not felt good for, like, the last five days. I've had yeah. headaches three of those days. But Aww. I just – the art on this thing is miserably bad, and I couldn't stand it. <laughs> and I literally – it if the art on a book is so bad that it, it makes – it hurts my head, I, I – it, it makes it hard for me to actually read the story. So I'm like, the story might have been good. I, I like uh, pretty much everything else I've seen from from Margaret Bennett, but I could not handle the art in this book. It was just it's so digital. abysmally bad. It's very it was it's technically good. It's just the style grated on my nerves. <laughs> in the final, what did you, from what you're able to see, what did you give it? Uh, I don't like think it. it would be fair for me to judge. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know what art you were looking at, because I think the art in this is... So I, I have two ratings for it. The writing's pretty good, but it's a little... I'm getting a little confused as to what's happening. My other problem is because I couldn't, I couldn't focus on reading the story. I have no idea what was going on. You, you really need to go back and read the other two, and yeah. two, number, issue number two is by far the strongest of the two. Like, that's like a four, four and a half star book. This one, uh, I ended up giving like three stars. Like, I like the art. I felt like I'd seen everything that happened in here in one way or another. And I was a little confused as to all the different maids that are going on and, and all that. So They added in the, the extra characters, I feel like, in this yeah. mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give this uh, three, think of three maids. <laughs> like, think of something appropriate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Three maids for me. There you go. Oh, I, oh, yeah, I didn't give it a rating. I give it, yeah, I'm going to say four and a half um, mandibles. Nice. I, I really nice. like it. The style really reminds me of, like I said, Kaiwa Yuki. Even, like, the art kind of in some panels reminds me of that. So, and I really like those manga, and so I really like this one because it's, it's like those, but just even more adult. So, <laughs> I look forward to reading more. Speaking of a uh, an adult comic, in a, in a way, Very- totally different kind of adult, though. Uh, we have uh, Shaft, Imitation of Life, number one. Shut from your Diamond. mouth. Just talking about Shaft. <laughs> so it's written it's a by... It's comic. <laughs> no one understands it, but the nerds, yeah. It's always willing to help his brother man. Yeah, so it's written by David F. Walker, uh, art by Dietrich Smith. So um, The Last Trade, which you should all go pick up, Complicated Man. Like, I read that, and that to me was so strong. I'm like, whatever this guy writes, it's good. I'm going to read more? Yeah, there's a, it, there's a, pre- there's a previous trade. Like, it's not a con- direct continuation of the story. They're like, no, it's like Conan. I was, like, I was just gonna say, like Conan stories in that way. We have a snapshot of his life and another snapshot of his life. That's even better. And it, it's just this book. First of all, it looks and feels like it's set in the 70s. Like, Shown up. the 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 tone, the way everyone looks, the way they talk, the attitudes they have. 
it's all that 70s like film film like realism that like um you get kind of with maybe like dog day afternoon black exploitation comic well it, it is it but is. black exploitation ties into that 70s realism where you're kind of like disillusioned with the way the world is like the 60s are over you know like that idealism has is not is not there anymore like, oh you know, the harsh peace and love isn't gonna save us yeah, I guess I'm just going to listen to some disco and watch the world burn. So this whole book is basically Shaft, uh, John Shaft talking about how... <laughs> Shaft, John Shaft. There's a there's a panel, actually, where they ask him what his name is, and he, you know, that's what he says, is like, Shaft, yeah. John Shaft. Yeah. So he's talking about how he went to Vietnam, Slick and that's where his sex machine with all the chicks, yeah. Shaft. <laughs> So he's been trained to to kill in Vietnam, and Vietnam has really messed him up. And he's come back, and uh, like killing is really easy for him. It's too easy for him. He's like losing his humanity. So he's he he went and found this crime boss's like daughter who'd been taken into this like prostitution ring by another by the Italian mafia. I'm guessing. So he goes in and he, you know, kills everyone. He like you know has the scene where they. You know, call him some racial slurs. He shoots them. He goes in and rescues the girl. You know, carries her out. You know, like a fireman carry, almost like out of the building. You know, while it's on fire and there's like dead bodies everywhere. So that would be like the total opening scene for like a, a movie. So then after that, that really messes him up, and he goes off on like a almost like a bender for a couple months that he finally comes out of, and he wants to in order to like feel more human, he wants to like like help someone with a case. So he, these people come to him because their son is missing, and he's. You find out that the the son is something that is probably not very easy to be, even harder than it would be now in the seventies to be. His, his their son is gay. He's from like a small town in like upstate New York, and he's run away to New York City and been basically as soon as he got to the Port Authority, got you know snatched up and taken into like uh, like drugs and prostitution and and all of this. So Shaft is trying to find him. So he goes like, – that's one thing that I thought was interesting is you have that tone of the 70s with, like, the attitudes towards, like, homosexuals. And Shaft – I mean, he uses some some words that are not exactly PC, you know? But when he goes into the place, he very much – he doesn't really seem like it bothers him all that much. It's like, that's what they're doing. Whatever they want to do is fine by me. Don't Shit, really I don't really care. care. It doesn't, doesn't really care. It doesn't bother him. You know, nobody's hitting on him. So he's he seems like he's fine. And he meets this informant, and they go out into an alleyway to get some, like, information. And there's, like, some guys out there who basically want to, like, do this, like, you know, gay bashing, like, beat up thing. And they insult Shaft, which is, like, the worst thing you can do. And he uh, he sets them straight. He beats the <laughs> crap out of them. He's like, nope, no, not going to do it. Well, and this is another – I always talk about showing me rather than telling me. And there was a scene where they're fighting, and like the the gay kid that he's with is fighting like next to him, and he knows what he's doing. Like they and they also illustrate like motion really well. Like he's doing these like flat palm like strikes to the people. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, and it just like the, to me that immediately told me life is hard for these characters. This is not the first time he's been attacked in an alleyway. He's had to learn to and defend it himself. Won't be the last. And then so Shaft, you know, he's the the other guy's really messed John up. Shaft. So Shaft takes him back to his apartment and talks about how, you know, this is some guy he just met, but they fought in battle together now, and now there's like a, a bond between them, and you don't leave somebody behind that you've, you know, been in battle with. So I, I really like it. I think this book feels like the 70s. It's it's awesome. I like seeing social issues dealt with by characters who aren't exactly nice or PC, 
but it feels very gritty and realistic. Um, like I don't know what else, if anything, David F. Walker has written, but if you're Marvel or DC or whoever, pick this guy up for your books. He is an amazing writer. And the artist, man, it feels so 70s. <laughs> the way that they look and dress and the backgrounds, it just it's it's a very strong. It is. It is. It's super fly. <laughs> Talk about the panels. Um, I love the panel and basically what was Studio 54 with the Marilyn Monroe, Andy Warhols in the background. I thought that was yeah. awesome. I was like, good on you. Whoever got that, good on you. I, I enjoyed this a lot. I like the first Shaft series. I like the characters. The black exploitation is awesome. I, I love that style of movie and obviously that genre. The music is awesome, so I kind of like think music in my head while this is going. I I thoroughly enjoy it. I think it sucks that it's not a continuing series, but I know they have to do like short groups this because it's hard to to do stories in that time period. Probably I will give it four mustaches. You may not like it, but I would suggest go reading Heroes for Hire or Power Man and Iron Fist because it's can do basically that. Marvel Shaft. Yeah. Power Man and Iron Fist are coming out next week with a new number one. Well, there you oh, go. Shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> Shut your mouth. <laughs> Shut your mouth. <laughs> so I give I'm this... I'm talking about uh, the 70s books, though. <laughs> <laughs> I think I give this one four and a half uh, jive turkeys, I think. Nice. Nice. Chris. <laughs> yeah, I really like... Like I said, I really like... How they nailed the feeling of Shaft. Oh, that sounds dirty. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> they nailed it. Um, but no, it definitely felt right. <laughs> no, that's still that thing. God damn it. That shaft felt right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's got so many layers. <laughs> you know what I mean. Yes, you know we do. That's the problem. <laughs> no, I, I really liked it. It wasn't be something that I normally would have picked. Yeah, I, there's just no way I could talk my way out of that. Everything's going to sound that way. <laughs> that being said, I give it three and a half. Set your mouth. <laughs> I could dig it. Speaking of teenage immaturity, we have a another book from, <laughs> from Marvel. Marvel. <laughs> so yes, uh, that'd be a totally awesome Hulk number three by Marvel Comics, written by Greg Pak and art by Frank Cho. I just like Amadeus Cho. I like him a lot better as Hulk than I did as Iron Spider, whatever there was. He was um, Iron Spider in the cartoons, yeah. In the oh. cartoons, yeah. Oh, sorry, I watched kid cartoons. Was that Amadeus Cho? That's what they called them in this most recent one I watched a while back. I, if I'm wrong, someone could correct me on their interwebs. Oh, don't worry. The internet will let you know yeah. if you're wrong. Oh, I know. <laughs> Anyways, so Hulk is... They go in a little bit more about what happened to Banner, which I thought was very interesting, and how Cho played in on with that, and how they, you know, his he tried to um, intercede with what Stark and... Uh, who was the other person that was in there? I'm not trying to draw a blank. Black T'Challa. Black yeah, Black Panther. What uh, we're doing. Monica something or other. The aim chip. Yeah. And, you know, now a good guy. Bring up all the bad guys are good guys now. I feel like also there's, there's been a lot of references back to the negative zone or um, lately, <laughs> which is interesting. So, and then also the rampage of, oh, I always get to say that, foo, thing, fang, foom. Yes. His, like, tirade across the ocean and, of course, there's freaking sharks in the comic that I pick. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> At least he was eating them, but I'm like, really? So, yeah, he's, like, running rampaging. The Hulk is trying to fight him and all this other stuff and then stops him in Hawaii and things like that. And it's basically the Hulk being the Hulk and him basically saying, no, I can do this. This is where I'm different from Banner. I don't have to call him my anger. And basically it shows, like, his inner self 
battle panels is like him driving in a in a convertible with like dark angry hulk locked in the trunk kind of thing and he's seen him like in the rearview mirror like basically trying to show that he's escaped and basically he's saying no he's not but then he is kind of thing like he's succumbing to that aspect of the hulk because he really thinks that he has it in control and i kind of i like that kind of play on it i didn't think this issue was as strong as i think like issue number one because i I actually really liked issue number one i thought it was a little bit more playful version of how he chose take on the hulk this one it was okay i mean the panels with the with the with uh foo being all dragon-like and being destructive that i mean those they were pretty and everything but just it didn't really like go woohoo it was it was just it was an okay issue i think and it wasn't like super it wasn't totally awesome this time sorry about the title but it wasn't totally awesome this time it was just kind of okay hulk totally <laughs> okay hulk yeah totally okay hulk sort of okay yeah <laughs> not too bad what? Hulk. i actually really like this issue issue i thought they did a really good job of balancing the story of bruce banner with the story of cho like i like that we weren't revealed the whole thing that's happened with banner in one shot that we're getting it in pieces you know so that mystery is still still out there i liked it i thought the the alien chick who's like collecting the monsters she really looks like harley quinn to me like a really muscular harley quinn like i think they uh were heavily inspired by and paid homage (laughs) to harley quinn in her i also think that the art for fin fang foom is fucking awesome i think it's it's my second favorite dragon i've seen this not this calendar year but in the last year or so other than the dragon in saga i think this is my second favorite comic book dragon in a while pretty awesome and it's it's a silly character so it's nice to see him look intimidating and fearsome and be something you should be afraid of and even classic marvel though very kirby 70s like uh no 50s he was one oh, of so the pretty like superhero characters yeah. oh yeah i totally like like skipped over the queen um like hunting him saying that he wasn't like wasn't showing him his best and he was really trying to prove why he was trying to prove her wrong i don't know like he wanted to be kidnapped but i think that's part of his hulk weakness yeah. that he wants to impress the girls yeah you know? i think that's part of his teenager weakness yeah, yeah. they did mention about that's his kid. hormones taking over that's a kid yeah <laughs> totally kid kid move what, what did you end up giving it Chris? oh yeah i gave it i'll give it a, a mid-range a nice three eaten shark i will give it four gamma blasts I will give it three thing thing booms. Well, uh, to start off with, uh, I will give Shaft, because you guys skipped me. Oh, <laughs> uh, you got the Shaft. Uh, I'll give it four complicated mans. Yeah, I got the Shaft. <laughs> that's yeah. that's funny. That I accidentally read both the previous issue and this issue, and I'm having a problem. They're running together. I did the two. same thing. I did the same thing. Uh, well, I got one, and then I... I read the other one. I'm like, wait, which one are we supposed to be reading? And then two. I did the same thing with Batman. I will give it four mad scientists trying to figure out how to help the Hulk. So Matt, continuing in the Marvel universe. So <laughs> I picked Deadpool number seven from my other book, uh, by Marvel Comics, written by Colin Bunn and art by Scott Coba. The entire reason why I picked this book is it is apparently the 25th anniversary of Deadpool. Also, Deadpool has just come out this weekend. Yay. I yep. seen it. Yay. Yay. I actually did get to see it. Yay. I did too. It was I did. awesome. I did as well. This was a gigantic issue. Yes. This was yeah. ridiculously long. It kept going on and on and it on. It was too long, I think. It was like 
own graphic novel. It yeah. was nine ninety nine. It was. And then I mean, there was the terror. Was... What is that guy's name? Terror Inc. Story in the middle. And I'm like, why? Because he's gross looking, like Deadpool. Uh, oh, you're talking about the uh, the mercenaries for money. No, that was after. There's there's the the, the main Deadpool story, which is him yep. going through his grudge book, right? Yep. And then there's the Terror Inc. story, which is him. I, I skipped it. I, I started reading it. I'm like, I don't fucking nope. care, because I've always hated Terror Inc. He's a, he's like a, a decomposing corpse, but he can yeah. take the powers of or abilities of other people by stealing their body parts. It's kind of like he's, I Zombie he's, before I Zombie. He's one of the mercs for money. He is. Okay, yes. that's why he keeps showing up in Deadpool books. Yes. Uh, and then there was the Merc for Money book, or story, but all of them were like the length of. Full books. Yeah. This was like its own trade. Yeah. I mean, it is the 25th anniversary book, but there was no cable. And I think, honestly, there should have been New Mutants or X-Force or something in this book. Yeah. I I mean, I liked it. I, I, no, I, I liked it. The main story. I just think it was too long. I didn't get through all of the, the, the backstories. I think I got to the one where it was like the cartoon guy. And then I was like, eh, I'm not going to finish this. Like, I will go back and finish this because I did like them. Like, I flipped through the rest of them and saw, you know, what they were. Did I not finish the uh, book? Because that doesn't super sound long. there at all. No, it, it sounds like you stopped about halfway yeah, through the each book. each Merc for Hire got their own little side-like thing. Yeah. God, it's like half an issue, yeah. Yeah, I didn't it read that at all. so long. I was like, I it, I should it. it should count no. it as at least two picks or something. I know. She's <laughs> like, shit. So Sorry. you're definitely you're gonna pay, it's it's expensive it's like ten bucks for it but it's it's a good twenty fifth anniversary your, book you you yeah. get your money's worth yeah. a lot in here and it's it's solid Deadpool through and throughout it's goofy uh, it's violent uh, it's gross looking you know all the things that are Deadpool yep all that you know and love apparently next no because I saw the end of, see I got to a part where it was a picture of Mike Allred doing Deadpool going after Creed and I figured that was the end. There's more past that. See, because that's like the la- that final page, next issue kind of thing is usually the end of a book. Yeah, no. <laughs> this is what yeah. I Dead- get for reading digital books. Deadpool breaks all the rules, man. <laughs> it's it's like, what, how many, it's like 40, 50 pages? I mean, this is like... Oh, easily, yeah. It's super out. long. Um, it was fun, though. Deadpool. There's not much yep. you need to say. It's not like, <laughs> oh, it made me rethink my life as a, uh, as a human, really, of gonna make new life choices and all this other stuff or it made me interested in this classic lip no it's fucking deadpool yeah <laughs> other than we have like non like people who deadpool be new to fans who would actually listen to this podcast but if you just discovered deadpool this weekend because of the movie and you liked what you saw then this would probably be a good issue to pick up. I mean, there's lots there. It's, you'll get your money's worth. It's yep. 25th anniversary, so uh, that's why I, I would you recommend use that. use it to kill things? To new yeah. fans. It's, it's the start of a new arc in Deadpool. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, I will give it four skin cancers. I will give it four Harry Potter spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Snape kills Dumbledore! <laughs> that was my favorite panel of the whole one. I was like, I love oh. this. And he's like, you like in the house robes? Go there. <laughs> <laughs> Deadpool of... even was in the house robes. <laughs> His book of grudges. Yes. So I give it three and a half chimichangas. I will give it four guns down the shitter. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that freaking map of his oh, yeah. headquarters. Oh, totally. I love that. <laughs> yes. 
I love those from the classic 70s books. That's no moon. It's Darth Vader number 16. Marvel Comics, written by Karen Gillan, art by Salvatore LaRocca. Finally, we've been missing some Star Wars. I'm happy to have some back. I felt Uh, a great disturbance in the Force. Yeah. So this picks up right after the last book where um, Vader is bringing Palpatine uh, Commander Carbon's just destroyed body, which is kind of awesome. I know. Yeah. I'm yeah. Super happy about that. I love. I love these. Like he's probably asking him, "Are these lightsaber wounds?" <laughs> like, yeah. That do you be. really have to fucking ask that question? I think he was well, being coy. Vader yeah, Vader, Vader doesn't Vader. lie to him. Are these <laughs> lightsaber wounds? Like, are you trying to shit me? Uh, I appreciate that. I thought that was a pretty pretty funny scene. Um, so that one shot that we had for Darth Vader. Now it's now coming into play because this is the same. Oh, the annual. Yeah, the uh-huh. annual. It's now we're getting back to that world and that character. And I'm not sure how I. I don't, we didn't really enjoy that. I didn't really enjoy that. But we're getting back to her, and I kind of like. I kind of. You're like, did people enjoy that? I know. Well, I kind of want to. I kind of skipped over a lot of that because I didn't really enjoy that part. But the last three pages were great. The last three pages of this whole thing, I thought, were this of this. Really, have, this book was shit, except the last three pages. Last Sometimes three that's how it goes, you know? Seriously, like the comic, you're we, like, oh, hell. We get Vader sending out, like, all the bounty hunters to go find Dr. Agfra because the rebels have captured her. And I love I love the, the bot goes, query, dead or alive. And I love it. It's no matter to me. Because whatever. I love, ah, oh, so good. Uh, that was my enjoyment. You didn't like the the scene where they destroy that that mining thing where he collapses like eh. part of the planet to bring the lava down on it. Yeah, it seems like the best cool. choice, honestly. I mean, it was cool. I, I mean, it, that was his show of the force, but yeah, I, I thought the last couple of panels that was my favorite. That oh no, that wasn't the force. Those were bombs. He needs the force. It's the the guy with the goggles who set it up, right? Yeah, I thought that was a girl, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Girl guy. No, it is a girl. You're right. Reminded me of Lobot. Maybe mm, she is a Lobot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I figured it was one of the creations of the other dude. Where they got the twins? Where they had the... One of the uh, apprentice... No, not apprentice. What is it? Understudies? So, I mean, this one, it was, it was like you said, it was nice to be back in the, the Star Wars uh, universe on a, a good Star Wars book. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Whew. Rough couple weeks there, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be okay. We're gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. No, it's not. We're gonna be okay. We're getting back. We're gonna find I'll... Dr. Agfra. We're gonna see what happens. Maybe she lives. Maybe she dies. Eh, she won't Who knows? Maybe she joins the rebellion. Who knows? Oh. Of... Mm. You know what? The the queen is trying to like uh bargain with uh Vader and she's like, Oh, so we have a deal then? He's like, No, it's just the way it will be. <laughs> I'm like, okay. They do a really good job keeping Vader a badass. Mm-hmm. Yes. No Hayden Christensen in here. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. That's Vader. I could see some of that character that they made. Because Vader, before the prequels, was just kind of this dark character that was there for redemption purposes, right? And then yeah. after the prequels, he's supposed to be this like tragic character that you're there to have redemption happen for or not after the prequels uh he he basically has this new tragic backstory right so in this it's showing you the yoke that he has around his neck from the emperor and that the emperor's 
always trying to enforce his control over Vader, I can still see some of the prequeliness, and that not in a bad way, in a you, good way. I think it's in a the, good outgrowth from a bad prequel, like it, and that you have like Vader's resentment. Yes. It. Yeah. You're, 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 to you're showing why he wanted to to basically take the route that he took in yeah. the Star Wars movies, which is what it, prequels I, were supposed to fucking do in the first place. Well, yeah, was, this is basically what I was trying to say. Was that they I were think supposed to be the chosen ones? They're executing what the Emperor done to him properly this time than how it was done in the prequels. I'm like, I'm not saying they're not canon. I'm just saying our stuff's better. Pretty much. <laughs> so what did you end up giving it, uh, Christina? I will give it um, three and three quarters lightsaber slashes. I will give it three and a half ultra deals. I'll give it three and a half carbon corpses. Fuck! <laughs> she totally stole yours, didn't she? She did. <laughs> God damn it. And I should also say that my, mine is literally for the last three pages, and maybe the first three pages. My review. Fair. Uh, I'll give it three and a half uh, triple zero daggers. Triple zero is pretty tight. So you, you had something for Valentine's Day? I did. So my little uh, Christina's Corner is going to... <laughs> is the- <laughs> Christina's Corner! Come, boys and girls, and sit around for Christmas. Come join me! I thought since, you know, yesterday was Valentine's Day and all, that I would do the top five comic couples, but not throughout comic history, because we see the same ones over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I'm kind of sick of seeing the same ones over and over again. So I... Rogue and Gambit. Hey! Scott and Jeans. Yes. Superman and Lois. Yes. Reed and Sue. Peter and Mary Jane. All the same ones. So I want to do the top five comic couples of the last decade. So my picks are mostly image books. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Uh, And and I I will say they're in no particular order, and you can talk some of yourselves. Um, So my first pick, not necessarily in number one or number five, um, is Angela and Sarah from Angela 1602 and Angela, Queen of Hell. I thoroughly enjoy the story of the two of them. I found out something that I didn't know uh, reading up on the characters. Sarah apparently is actually transgender. Oh, you didn't know that? I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. I didn't know that. Yeah, Yeah. they go over that. What's funny is I realized that the that book is up it's nominated for a glad award and i was like oh cool and then i went and started reading and i was like oh shit karen gillen actually posted on his tumblr exactly everything about the character i was like well shit i didn't know that so even cooler so i even even more so that one that one's kind of close to the number one ish anyway so my second couple is violet and orc day from rat queens because they are the cutest damn couple ever that's the image comics i absolutely love and love and adore them and I cannot wait to see Carissa as Violet. We need an orc, Dave, though. Uh, no, next one, I am guessing, Ryan, this might have been yours. Uh, Susie and John from Sex Criminals, Image Comics. They they were on my... I didn't put them in order, but they were on my list of five. Okay. Because, <laughs> yeah. And what's funny is I actually... I was curious to see if any what anybody else had put on any of their reviews. Like, anybody had listed couples. And, of course, you know, if you get a list of 20 couples... They at least appeared on that list, which I thought was really cool. Um, they, they just, they're written, like, in a realistic fashion, like the way they interact with one another and talking. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, of course, Alana and Marka from Saga. 
Image Comics. Yeah, of course. List, yeah, yeah. I, I was expecting that one. Yeah, that's a that's a no-brainer on that one. My fifth one is a comic book couple, but take it as you will. Kelly Sue DeConnick and Matt Fraction. They're not nice. in a comic. However, they have produced some of the most amazing comics in the last decade. Like everything we know and love. You know, uh, Hawkeye, uh, Sex Criminals, Bitch Planet, Bitch Planet. Yeah. Captain Marvel. I mean, I and they're uh, freaking adorable. <laughs> They're yeah. just adorable people. They're good people. And I totally I, love them. I think the only thing that was on my list that is not on yours mm-hmm. is Alex and Ada from Alex and Ada from Image Comics. Um, it's it's great. It's like Blade Runner, robots, you know, synthes- synthetic human. What does it mean to be human if you're a machine? Romance story by the Luna Brothers. And it's... It's great. I think you told me I need to read that. Yeah, if you are not uh, getting it, ordering it from Amazon right now, Carissa, you absolutely need to. Me? You will love it. Wait, sir? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Alex and Ada, get it. <laughs> read it. Well, I, my, it's a- Alex plus Ada. Okay. It's awesome. My addition, though, would be Big B and Snow, if it's in the last decade. Uh, it was another one I thought of, too. And is it, that does count as the last decade. Yeah. I, did check. I knew you were going to add them to the list, but I didn't want to look up the year that 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 Fables premiered. And but I guess they've been in the last decade. Yeah, they're older than a decade. Yeah. Though, but yeah, but they're not. But they're not one of those repeating ones like she was talking about. You know? Yeah, it's true, not, true. it's not the ones that we see on the list over and over again. And they, I, they, I believe they do fall into the category. I don't know if that was truly a couple until the last ten years. We have to, until I gave it until nineteen ninety or nineteen or two thousand five. I think. Right? Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I had to do math. Don't make me do math. <laughs> Don't yeah. make me do math. Did you have anyone to add to the list, Matt? Not any new couples. Yeah. I don't know. I can't think of anybody. There's also a couple other ones I thought of. Some of the couples from like, East to West. I, the other I person almost that think was of on... Mark and, uh, what was her name, Eve? Adam Eve. Uh, what That's not what I thought. Invincible. Invincible. Is it Invincible? That's it. So the other person that's the other that's on my list is Harley Quinn and herself. Harley um, Quinn and herself. No, no, I'm I'm absolutely serious about this because she's broken free of the of the Joker's influence. That she realizes that he is abusive and destructive and has taken a new path. Well, I so thought we her, were focusing characters that were created in the last ten years. Not created. I think I think they became a couple in the last ten years. Uh, okay, that's fair then comes out of the uh, the Joker face-off thing that you've talked about a couple times, Matt, where the Joker uh, takes, like, the straight razor and hands it to her and tells her if she really loves oh, he him told and her to... him, that she's going to cut off her own face and she, like, uh, drops the razor. And is, like, know, never out. mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then on that note, though, you could do uh, the Harley and, and Ivy. Cause that's yeah. Recent. I saw that come up on a lot of lists, too. But yeah, to me, see... they're older characters. And uh, they legitimize that, too. One thing I like kind of about Harley. So everybody always likes to say that Deadpool's copying Harley, but the whole zany, crazy, wears red and black thing. But Deadpool's been around longer. Deadpool's Deadpool's not. Harley's copying Deadpool. Yeah. Deadpool is copying uh, Deadshot. No, no, no. That's not the part that is the copy. Yeah. Uh, The zaniness. The zaniness, but the whole, oh, I know I'm a homicidal killer. Uh, However, now I'm a good guy. Which, kind of. But I'm still a homicidal killer. Yes. And if you'd seen the movie, you would have seen that too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, boys and girls, those were the books we read this week. 
to check out our weekly pull list and other nerd shenanigans, go check out fourcolornerds.com or our Facebook page, Four Color Nerds. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram. You can find the podcast on iTunes. On Stitcher. On SoundCloud. And on Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to come back next week for another episode. Until then, keep reading, nerds.